You're listening to the Saturday Morning D&D Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan, with a silent PH in the middle, and I'm joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Uh, say hello. Good morning. Hello, I like that intro. A little excitement there, something different. I Man. like it. <laughs> We're always excited here. Yeah. Innovative. Uh, Innovative. Always changing things up. A visionary, some would say, but <laughs> yeah. only him, really. Yeah, never done Ladies before. and gentlemen, Jordan, the PH is silent. Uh, yeah, well, welcome, everybody. We've got... Uh, we got a lot of fun people in the chat, so thank you guys for coming oh, out and watching us live to talk about our journey through Sig- through a Radiant Citadel. Oh, how dare you. Which is uh, not <laughs> not at all um, Sigil. Uh, yes, mm-hmm. so the news of the day is Journey the Through the, the Radiant day. Citadel is our new book. We kind of, mm-hmm. I think we called it. I guess I didn't I, listen to the episode. It. You nailed it. I thought for sure I had different words there, but you got it. Because I was, I was like, I'm pretty sure it's going to be an anthology thing. And here, that is yeah. exactly what we have. Um, it is 13 standalone adventures, levels 1 to 14. Um, yeah. So with 13 adventures, I'm assuming an adventure a level. And then you'll finish the game. It's always funny because it's like 1 to 14, but I don't think you'll play at level 14. You just end. Maybe you'll end up there. And then it's like, <laughs> well, we finished the level 13 adventure. Congrats, you're 14. Yeah. All right, what's next? No, I, well, then I didn't really get to experience level 14. I don't think <laughs> yeah. you should advertise that. I always thought that was funny. Yeah. Um, 11 new monsters, so nothing, like, to write home about, in my opinion, unless these mm-hmm. are, like, the most amazing monsters ever. They're probably just story-specific. Um, yeah. But it is all uh, black and brown writers, which is something mm-hmm. cool, and they're advertising that, they're or promoting it, I should say, um, yeah. as they wanted to tell... Uh, a different story from other people's perspectives and what have you. Um, Mm -hmm. And I thought that was kind of cool. It's really like Sigil, Sigil, however you want to pronounce it. Um, A lot of people were comparing this to the city of doors in the Planescape universe, because it is a mystifying central hub city that uh, rotates around a thing, um, which in this case is a giant crystal, Uh, They call it the Radiant Citadel, but from what I was listening to with the interviews, it's a a hunk, like a chunk of dead god that Mm -hmm. they've built this city around. Um, Mm -hmm. And the crystal has itself some cool properties, but there are portals to anywhere in the multiverse. So that is where everyone's getting the uh, City of Doors Sigil references. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are are your thoughts on Radiant Um... Citadel? Well, you definitely nailed it, so kudos for that. Um, it's interesting that uh, this journey through the Radiant Citadel, one of the things I picked up in one of the videos they were talking about is it's totally new, right? So this hasn't existed anywhere else. They got to pick a spot in this whole, this multiverse that they've called, and they've got to create their own thing from there, and then all these uh, uh, anthology um adventures from that and i thought that was interesting because one of the things we've talked about quite a bit is allowing the creators of dungeons and dragons to start branching away from what has been done before redoing things from before and to really see what do they do if they're not working in a 
Gary Gygax world? What are they? What do they do if they're not working in Ed Greenwood's world? What do they do if they're not working in Eberron kind of world? Keith Baker's world? What would they? What would Chris Perkins' world be? Or what would you know these people's? Be? So I like the idea that this is a step in that kind of direction where they got these you know um, the group of creators together and they really were able to say we're going to pick something new. You don't. You're not in Forgotten Realms. You're not in any of this stuff. But you're going to connect to all of it, right? And even in um, one of the videos, it said this connects to Eberron. This connects to, I heard him say that specifically, because normally we kept thinking Eberron was on its own little sphere. I think that's what Keith Baker kind of wanted it to be, not a part of, say, Planescape or not a part of, say, Spelljammer if it ever came out. But they said in this video, so I'm thinking it's canon. I'm calling it canon at this point. Journey through the Radiant Citadel, you can get to Eberron from the the Radiant Citadel. You know, you can get to Sigil or Sigil or how everybody, you know, everybody wants to put Jif and Gif, you know, however they want to pronounce it. You can get to there. You can get to your Planescapes. You can get to, I'm assuming you might be able to get to Dark Sun. I'm assuming you might be able to get to Dragonlance. I'm assuming you might be able to get to these places. And I wonder if some of the adventures these people wrote do go to those places or do all 13 adventures take place in totally unique brand new places? Because it does say there's like communities that have grown up around the the Radiant Citadel, right? It said there were these communities that have been built I on think here so, yeah. and they interact with other civilizations that I think they got to make up also. So I wonder how much of it's new, how much of it will touch nostalgic stuff, if any. Um, so I'm really interested to see, and I'm, I'm, I'm guessing more and more will get leaked. I was reading a little bit about adventure number one. Um, and it was, uh, the, the creator for that. I think she is the community manager for critical role right now. I think she also had played in the, um, one of the live actions on the D and D channel. Okay. I'm forgetting her name off the top of my head, but she was talking about her, adventure that she had created and how it kind of it's between a couple of rival families that are merchants of salt but then there's like this um kind of theme of tradition versus almost like um industry i think is the way she put it but also two rival families trying to corner the market or you know having shenanigans about who's going to be the the salt uh merchant in you know in Citadel uh-huh. here in radiant Citadel. so i thought that was some really interesting um way to say you know we got some interesting adventures here that we might not have seen before we got some different kind of uh stuff so i think it's interesting it is one other correlation i was thinking about or one other idea i was thinking about is before when we said anthology um adventures it used to be remakes of old adventures but brought to fifth edition so that you could use them in fifth edition whereas now we're kind of we're away from that and it, this isn't the first one i really feel like i think even candle keep was that way candle keep I think was some original. of the other yeah. anthony yeah some of the other anthologies have moved away from hey let's bring in some of the old stuff into 5e so you can do it but you know put the new spin on it and put the put some modern takes on it now it's like hey let's just you can create whatever you want. Just go out and build stuff. Almost like Coville's doing. You know, I I wonder if they were looking at some of the success that he's having with Arcadia and some of the stuff they're doing. And that this almost feels like Matt was like a year ahead of what D&D, what, what Wizards of the Coast is doing in some mm. ways. But I don't know. What do you think? 
Uh, no, I, I, well, I want to shout out, uh, AJ Pickett. He's in chat and he gave us 10, uh, New, New Zealand dollar bucks. So thank you, oh, AJ. New Zealand bucks. Um, we should go to New Zealand and spend them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he, he was asking if we're getting shard mines with this location. Do you know of shard mines? I don't. Okay. I think they were a fourth edition only race. I could be wrong. They might've been in third edition, <laughs> but they're like crystalline entity creatures that oh have like, uh, 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 they they have a memory that goes back like generations, like a collective mm-hmm. kind of thing. If I'm remembering correctly, um, I'm sure AJ's done a video on it, so you go, go check yeah, well, it out. There, there is a creature mentioned in these that they are they're the embodiment of the experiences and culture of communities or civilizations, yeah. and they have, they appear as crystal like living creature yeah they so take maybe the that's form. where he's going yeah, yeah. yeah and i saw that too they take the form of like a scorpion but it's made out of crystal and it, it they yeah. look really cool so uh yeah i don't know um maybe but i super agree with you in that a lot of people were giving this criticism that it wasn't sigil um and i'm like but it's something new but you can go to sigil. like well but that was my <laughs> yeah. thing is i i yeah. thought it was so cool that it was something new Um, And for those of you who are asking in chat, like traditionally the ethereal plane is known as like the transitive plane because it it doesn't really have anything in it. But from the ethereal plane, you might wind up in the astral plane or you might wind up over here. Like Mm -hmm. it's always this weird going into the deep ethereal. You could probably forever float there and die or you might like find something, a portal somewhere. Who knows? Uh, and specifically, this is a demiplane within the deep ethereal, which is why it's been like hidden for so long. Um, mm-hmm. As far as like, I, I just want to know the history of it. And I guess that's a lore nerd of me. But I'm like, who was the first person that stumbled upon this and was like, I'm going to build a town, you know, and, mm-hmm. and where does it actually connect? I'm more excited for this than I was for Candlekeep Mysteries. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because it's the exact same product. Like yeah. I'm sure I haven't read oh, yeah. Candlekeep Mysteries. I'm sure that it's uh, a great supplement. Um, mm-hmm. I I didn't pick it up because I didn't really need a bunch of like one shots. Um, but the idea of that is that you go to Candlekeep and you open a book and then you're magically transported into the book or the story of that uh, book and then boom you're having an adventure. And I was like, well, that's a really cool idea. This this feels better implemented where it is a hub city that I could add to any of my games rather than just like you find a book and you're sucked in kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And those stories could then maybe catapult into something else. Like who knows? Uh, And you're right. uh, Keith Baker talking about Eberron. um, They did specifically reference Eberron. Mm -hmm. Wizards of the coast is, has many times mentioned that Eberron is separate, but not. Um, and I think it was in Fizbins that they specifically said that Eberron is in a a a, a unique demiplane that is within our greater multiverse, but is also super isolated because of the progenitor dragons. Um, just giving you a bunch of like lore drops now. Um, <laughs> so there are ways to get to Eberron, uh, and this apparently will be one of them. Apparently, there's an Eberron door in. Uh, Sigil as well that I was I was told oh, about so but n- not everybody knows this exists yeah. uh, I don't know I I want to know more about these adventures I guess um, mm-hmm. the alternate cover is 
artistically right up my alley. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Like, I love this kind of, uh, I want to say like Steven Universe kind of art or something. Like, I like a lot of that. Does not fit the Dungeons & Dragons brand for me. Like, fits all of my OSR fun stuff, fits a bunch of other things. So I was like, this alternative cover, I was like... I thought it was a little Pathfinder-like. It did not... I don't know. I didn't do it for me. But the the main cover feels like a traditional D&D cover, and I've... uh, habitually bought the regular covers because I like them all matching except mm-hmm. uh wild beyond the Witchlight. I had to go get that. Oh, one. you're talking about the custom cover. I don't know if I've seen the custom. Oh, the custom. Yeah. You mean you the, should... That's the deluxe. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You one. should the alt, you. alt cover. You should go look at the custom. I'll look cover. at the alt yeah. cover. Yeah. It's uh, the arts really uh, cartoony and stuff, but it's yeah. kind of, it's fun. Like it's right up my alley. I like it. Uh, it just doesn't feel like it fits the D and D brand for me. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. But I'm actually, yeah, I'm glad you said something because I thought you when I saw what this was and we I saw a few posts that you had made about it throughout the week and I read them in my head differently than the way you just said it because I was reading it when you were mentioned like sigil or sigil either way. I know you're a huge fan of that place. So mm-hmm. I was thinking, oh, maybe Jordan's going to be super upset. Not upset, because you're never going to be really upset. <laughs> like, they could have just done the city I want them to do, which is give me Planescape, give me Sid- Sigil in 5th edition. I've been wanting it. You know, that's something that I think you wanted mm-hmm. uh, for a long time. So I thought when we were going to talk today, I thought you were going to be oh, one like, of those that are like, all, oh, I kind of wish it would have been... Rage angry? Yeah. No. Not really that, but... Yeah. yeah. It's disappointing though. Yeah. Uh, so, I forget who... I'm glad you said you like it, yeah. Somebody, somebody way up high, uh, the the latest, like, way designer up. for D&D. Yeah. <laughs> Winnegar? Uh, yeah, I think it was Winnegar. I can ever think is, yeah. They were saying, like, well, is this, is this Sigil? Is this replacing Sigil? And he's like, he tweeted, like, no. Like, Sigil, the 5e version of Sigil is yeah. Sigil. And they were like, yeah. oh, okay. So it's like, yeah, it is, <laughs> they're like, guys, it's something new. Like, don't worry about it. Um, yeah. Which makes me think that, uh, I, I feel like this product could have gone in a very uh, Planescape Sigil direction. So sure. let's let's play, uh, everyone put on your imagination hats. Let's play what if. <laughs> so mm-hmm. what if this wasn't set in the Radiant Citadel and instead it was set in Sigil? Like it, literally the exact same thing could have happened. Uh, you could have had the same team of writers. They could have put their own fun spin on Sigil. It would have been really interesting. I would have loved it, blah, blah, blah. And you're doing the exact same thing. Portals take you to a different place, a different adventure. You're having a great time. Um, why not is like one of those questions. And I was talking about it with some other people on the Discord. And it was kind of this idea of like, well, are they are they taking, are they going to do Planescape? And they don't want somebody to like walk up and be like oh should i buy this like planescape city of doors book oh wait this is like adventures in sigil is this the one i need and i i wonder if they didn't want to confuse people uh mm-hmm. because they're going to release a book later on that is very like planescapey so there's that idea and then but the other idea is like a book like this would tie in to sigil so well but then you kind of want to release the like campaign setting first and then adventures mm-hmm. later and i wonder if this was just part of the deadline is like well we're gonna put it here so yeah which makes me feel sad to think that the idea of the radiant C- citadel was an afterthought uh so i choose not to believe that because i think it's a really cool idea <laughs> mm-hmm. um but 
that that's the only way I can think. Like I was, I, or that's the only um, conclusion I came to is that they're probably going to do something else with Sigil, Sigil, and because of that, they want to keep this like its own separate thing. Yeah, yeah. My theory, and I don't necessarily have anything to back this up, but I just got the feeling as I was listening to some of the writers talk about, you know, the pieces that we that they got to work on and kind of the lead designer. And I almost feel like this was one that would be that would have been pitched and then said, hey, we really want a space that's our own. And when we we got this cool idea, we want to do an anthology book. We want to bring a bunch of creators in to to build these stories. And and they might loosely be fit together, but they don't have to be like all your other popular books that are just like that. But we want a space that's not been touched before. We want to create a space that's brand new, brand new canon, brand new, you know, whatever. And then I feel like it it evolved maybe from there in my mind that they, they kind of always had that idea that it'd be something new, but then this idea of how it interacted with things and they were starting to bring in other cultural myths and other things that you might not have gotten if it wasn't, you know, um, if we didn't stay kind of near the the fantasy we know now, um, which you know is we all love because we've been we've been here for forty years playing it, so we do love it. But also this idea that there are other cultures that have come up with their own fantasy stories and their own legends and lore that could possibly be brought in and give us a different take, which I think is kind of cool too. So I think it's great. I think it's one of those. Um, I'm really super interested to see, like you said, from a lore perspective. Um, I think this is a cool thing that can fit in anybody's campaign and can be a nice campaign joiner if you wanted to. If you have your normal campaign, maybe it's your own world and you want to bridge it into a module you want to run for Wizards of the Coast. And to do that, maybe you're going to do just a short one or two or three session in the Radiant Citadel that gives you the way to get to, okay, we're over here in my custom world um, and now we're going to go over and I want to run um, this cool water deep adventure that had come out and I've been dying to run and I have a way to connect them. You know, I, I don't have to come up with anything else to do it. Not that we couldn't as dungeon masters, cause that's what we do all the time, right? We come up with ways to connect things that we want to do, but I like it. I like the idea of it. I like this idea of communities that have grown up on this um, bone structure around a crystal and there's something there's some um well i think the crystal is the like the bone god yeah like i think they built a city around the crystal and that crystal actually is the dead god piece or something i i again we don't know another cool thing about this is that it will hypothetically go to the dm's guild and i'm curious what other authors will like create more and and bring to the city and stuff i don't know uh, I, I don't know. This is just really cool because it's the first non-Magic the Gathering, non-old D&D thing that we've seen. Uh, and I just like that it's brand new. Like like you said, we've been wanting a, something that's yeah. like a unique 5e thing for a while. Yeah. Um, and thank you, Steve. He donated $5 and he asks... Uh, hey, Steve. He wants... Uh, is the reason that they didn't use uh, Sigil is because they didn't want to like fence in writers. And that could be... Uh, I just did a video on the factions of Sigil, which is huge. And they made a lot of books on that. And a lot of, like, here are the NPCs. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, Planescape Torment is the video game that takes place within uh, the City of Doors. So, yes. Like, I wonder Mm -hmm. if it was, like, you could literally do whatever you want. Or I need you to, like, really only do this. But when you're writing 
singular adventures, there's probably just one person that is the designer for the Radiant Citadel, maybe a couple, and their job is not to tell the author, like, you need to change your world. Their their job is like, here's how here are the doorways to connect. So yeah. I feel like they could have internally done this with their team for uh, Sigil just as easily as creating a new place, which leads me to believe, again, that we're getting a Planescape book later on and they didn't want to confuse customers. So, but. Well, I hope we get a Planescape book. I think I love the, the Monty Cook era of creators that Planescape really came out of and that whole, there's a whole group of writers that was after Gary and Ed and, you know, some of them back in the day, TSR switching over to Wizards of the Coast. And then there's some cool stuff in there. And we know Monty Cook can spin tales. So bringing some of that stuff back again into 5e would be awesome. I'd love all those kinds of supplements. So I think it's cool. I think um, 11 new monsters I thought was a little light. We didn't hear anything about new classes. No, I it's, believe it's there just were adventures. new playable races, I thought. Nope. But maybe just not. 11 new classes or 11 new monsters. That's and it. 13 okay. adventures. So All right. Interesting. So new new options, but different places to play, yeah. I guess. A different place. So um, it's interesting. I think it's – I'm curious to be able to read it. I think this would be one that's fun to read, just like all those other RPGs that I kickstart and somebody's come up with a really cool idea and they built this whole world and campaign around it. A lot of those games I love to just sit down and read the book and read – what these people have come up with their history and their lore and their, their theme of their world that they've created um, is always really fun. So I think this will be one that would be just like that. It'd be fun yeah. just to read it, let alone maybe use it in some type of campaign and get cool uh, ideas and stuff. And, yeah. uh, and I don't like the, the DMs guild is like that for me. And I, I really miss the idea of spending like $5 on a, a module. Like I want to go buy, uh, well, and I guess Dungeon Crawl Classics does it really well. All of theirs are 5 to $10. You buy, like, a single adventure. Um, mm-hmm. But they're fun, and it's kind of cool. And then you start talking about, like, oh, did you play this one? Oh, yeah, I should go pick it up. And, like, you get people talking about, uh, you know, that crazy uh, Sailors on the Starless Sea that everyone talks about and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because I don't know how many people have finished, you know, Icewind Dale or Tomb of Annihilation or things like that. Like you're still playing uh Waterdeep Dragon Heist or or Dungeon of the Mad Mage, you know. Well so, we got through yeah. Tomb of Annihilation. We've got through uh Waterdeep Dragon Heist. We're deep into Dungeon of the Mad Mage, and it's gonna be a while before we'd ever get out of that. That's the that's the mega one, really though. That's the mega I don't yeah. know. But my point is is those are longer and you're also yeah. not taking your character that was like okay i survived uh tomb of the tomb of annihilation now i'll Mm -hmm. take that character to play icewind dale like no you're gonna start a new character and these singular adventures are kind of a fun way to be like hey let's let's have our characters go here for the weekend you know Mm -hmm. uh and so i i like those and i miss those uh but that is a very different style of play too um so well, there used to be, I remember getting modules that were, I don't know, maybe 10 pages and they were in a wrapper and you could unwrap yeah. them and they had cool cardboard cover that had some stuff on it. And then there would be like a five or seven or 10 page flip book in there. And then that would be the whole module, right? Mm-hmm. And you could just buy bunches of those and, you know, play them wherever, whenever, however. 
Whereas the model today is anything that must be 300 to 500 page hardcover book is what they release now. They don't really release the the small supplements, but I guess that's where the DMs Guild really comes in is that you get those small supplements from there. Um, so I'm interesting. I'll see uh, the date on it is a June date, correct? June 21? Uh, yeah, June 21st, 2022. So, so mid-June. So we're here in, at the end of March. So nothing really April or May. Three Next months, thing will yeah. Be June that we can think of. And they told us, we think, that we were going to get two classic campaign worlds this year. So yeah. that means six months has already gone by. And they also said that this doesn't count as one of them, obviously. Oh, okay. So I was wondering if they were going to somehow They sneakily, said that in a tweet, yeah. Okay, sneakily count this one somehow. Like, one of the adventures does go to Dark Sun, or one of the adventures does go to Dragonlance, and that's how they're going to count it. But I'm glad that they've confirmed that that's not... <laughs> that we're still getting what they told us we're getting. So that's a, the the end of this year is going to be crazy then because I thought we would have heard something by now. Well, and so I was thinking and no about... Magic the Gathering book yet for this year, 2022. We've no, had those, those are usually and, towards the end of the year too. In 2020. 2021, we got Strixhaven. In 2020, we got Theros. Ravnica. Or no, Theros. And the one before that, we got Ravnica, but we haven't got anything for 2022 yet. Well, yeah, but it's March. So are we getting one? Are we not? Well, we or is there going to be too many releases? It's too early. Well, if, you're, if you already have two classic releases and you're in June before you announce them, you're running out of months before you can do another oh. possible Magic the Gathering book, possible monster book, possible, you know, there's there's not much room left there. Well, and we'll so see. with the, the Mordekainen's Multiverse that's coming out in May, it's already out with the, the box set. Um, a bunch of us were talking about box sets in general, and yeah. I wonder if that box set is doing well, and if people are liking the collectible, like, three books in a nice, like, bound thing, uh, mm-hmm. to the point where we were thinking about, you know, Spelljammer, Planescape, and stuff like that. Are you going to get oh. your box set of, here's Planescape, here's Dragonlance, and, I don't know, here's, like, some adventures that go between both of them. And so you'll get, like, a three-book, like, multiverse expansion pack kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, Rather than buying them individually, I was wondering if that could be, like, a Christmas thing of, like, here are all three of those books. So, Uh, And then that would be huge to release three books at once. But yeah. at the same time, I think from a money perspective, that's like kind of what they want to do because yeah. they want to print more books and sell more books. 150 so. bucks, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I know a lot of people that weren't happy about buying uh, this one because they already owned Tosh's, they already owned this. But if you presented three new books right from the get-go, I would drop that money to get three new books all at once, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in a nice, cool, collectible set. So Interesting. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, that is pretty much that so that's journey uh there were some other things that were kind of released uh news wise there's a D tarot deck uh it looks cool um it's just a traditional tarot deck i think they're going to come with some unique rules to work it into D um either not as a magic item or anything but maybe like how to help you tell stories mechanically uh, Ooh. So some games some, have done that. Yeah, and and uh there's a lot of like like tarot decks have been around one. for so long that people take them and yeah, 
like there's all kinds of mechanics to use them. Yeah. Uh, and I, I was thinking like, no, it'd be kind of cool if it was a way to help you generate um, like backstories for players or something during mm-hmm. character creation. You have this D and D tarot deck. I'm making all that up. That might not be what it is, but I'm sure there's some creative person out there that could come up with something like there's that. There's something in so. Invisible Sun like that too, right? Yes, there of... is. Yeah. See, there yeah. you go. That's a good idea. Yeah, Invisible like Sun it. has its own tarot style deck. That's really cool. This is what we call foreshadowing, guys. I don't know <laughs> my notes, so I'm kind of. Uh, there's also a Lich Lord puzzle <laughs> that was announced, and that is a puzzle that is the cover of the DMG. Um, I didn't know this, but they already have released puzzles for the Monster Manual and something else. Uh, so I was like, oh. The artwork. Then. The so artwork, the yeah. It's a puzzle. And... It's gotcha, like, gotcha. it's a puzzle. Yeah. Um, and then this is the interesting thing. So there is a new D&D board game that is being published mm-hmm. by WizKids. And it's called Dungeons and Dragons Onslaught. And I don't know anything about the Onslaught game other than I did some quick Googling. And apparently it was published by TSR in the 1980s. Uh, and it's a tactical kind of board skirmish game. And so they're going to put a D&D spin on it. Wiz Kids and their licensing D&D mm-hmm. franchise to do this. Uh, Nicholas Yu uh, tweeted out, he's like, I'm really excited. I played D&D as a kid. Look at all these cool photographs, all this other stuff. <laughs> Tweets deleted. Uh, oh. So I don't think he was supposed to do that. There's no information Bummer. about it on the internet. Um, and Nicholas Yu uh, has been quiet from what I could see. <laughs> uh, but also, they asked him in that tweet before it was taken down, well, when is this going to be released? And he's like, oh, it'll be announced next month or like in a month. And so it's like, well, if it's announced, that's not released. That's announced in a month. Maybe you shouldn't have done that. Kind of thought that was interesting. Uh, so I don't know anything about Onslaught, but the pictures he showed, it could be cool. Like, it looked mm-hmm. like a maybe a, 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 a minis war game, but really yeah. on a scale of, like, I have elven archers and mages and stuff, not like giant mechs or Star, Star Wars. I know the Star Wars mini or the Star Wars... Uh, tabletop battle community is huge. So yeah. we've got lasers and stuff to too. show. They've got some board games for their yeah. stuff too. Um, a lot of the, I think companies want to have a good wide assortment of RPGs, board games, video games, probably mobile games. You know, it's like we all want to have, you know, our hands in each one of those, those mediums. So, and yes, I meant jigsaw puzzles when I said puzzle. Sorry. Yeah, because you said, you know, puzzles. And I'm thinking, well, Jordan, there's lots of kinds of puzzles. People You're right. might be it's, thinking. <laughs> it is a jigsaw puzzle, my bad. <laughs> there like, you go. <laughs> it's just the art of a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. Um, so Onslaught, that's kind of interesting. Um, and then yeah. this was announced by Beetle and Grimm that I really liked. Oh, and I they, have a question, though. Oh, go ahead. Answer your – yes, you you right there in the headphones, your question. Thank you. Um, do you already have a Dungeons & Dragons-based board game? Yeah, I've got two. Two. Okay, so you're a board game buyer. Are you thinking you'd buy this? Uh, Onslaught? Yeah. I would have to see how it's played. I don't know. Right. Like, like I, I love Betrayal at House on the Hill. I did not mm-hmm. buy Betrayal at Baldur's Gate because it's literally the same game. And <laughs> okay. my friend bought it, and I'm like, if I'm ever going to play it, I'm going to play it with my friend who also likes D&D and Betrayal, so I don't think I need to buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, I did buy The Legend of Dritz and the Castle Ravenloft board games. Uh, I don't know if they have a... Did you do a Clue version D&D? I did not buy Clue version D&D, yeah. Oh, okay. So, 
but would you? N- no. Okay. Because I don't want to play Clue. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I thought you liked that game. I like being in the play. Like. That was fun. Oh, but... that's nice. <laughs> And honestly, uh, my wife used to collect a bunch of vintage board games. So we have all of those games. So like to rebuy it for a, a, a new theme is kind oh, of yeah, like. Yeah, you've got like a, a, a modified Monopoly game, right? Like a... We do have a Jurassic Park Monopoly, yeah. There you go. That's what, that's what I was thinking of. Too. And that was Jurassic fun. Park well, Monopoly. so Monopoly is my wife's favorite game. And I got her, and Jurassic Park is her favorite movie. Our Monopoly is kind of falling apart, so I bought that one because I thought it would be funny. Um, And we played it one night, and it has surprisingly fun new mechanics. I'm like, how do you reinvent Monopoly? But they did a good job (laughs) where you have to build fences rather than collect real estate and stuff. It's kind of interesting. Tangents, yes. Sorry, did I answer your question? Board, yeah, because I knew you were a board gamer, and so I know you're always kind of on the lookout for board games. Even though we, you know, we always talk about tabletop role playing games and we love them, I think the one thing that board games always has as a tiny advantage is that sometimes they can be played much quicker than the time commitment of, say, the tabletop role playing game, which is a two, three, four hours if you're gonna, especially yeah. if you're gonna play at a table with your friends versus even online, yeah, where you can maybe shorten it up. But if you're inviting everybody over and you're gonna roll out the map and put the minis down and bring out all your, you know, your terrain. And then you're going to have a big old adventure. You're talking a four or five hour session. Well, and we were just talking. <laughs> to make it worth it. Yeah. I was just talking with my friends that we have lots of board games that we want to play, but yeah. whenever we get a bunch of people together and we're like, wait a minute, could we, could we potentially all meet on Thursday every night for like the next five session, five weeks? Well, then mm-hmm. we should run a campaign of something. And run. so then it turns into running a game. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to, we probably should have just played board games, but who knows? I still have, uh, it's, it's like Windward. I keep buying them and not playing yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, I, I bought Wind, or I got Windward for Christmas, oh, was, and I haven't yeah. opened it yet, and it's still, it looks so cool. We were talking about that. Uh, really cool. Uh, Beetle and Grimm's, sorry. Beetle. Yeah, they, they like to do stuff. They stole my idea of the D&D merit badge. Yes. No, they stole my idea. Coming for you, Matthew Lillard. No, I'm kidding. Uh, they did not steal anything. It is an open idea, but they're, they have created coins of completion. So these are licensed D&D coins based on the adventures. Uh, and so, you know, you could buy five coins, and when everybody finishes Icewind Dale, you could hand them, hey, you finished Icewind Dale. Here's a collectible coin to remind you of all of the adventures you went through. It's, it's kind of a really cool idea. Um, for the most part, the, well, here, I'll tell you. The Icewind Dale coin, awesome. Um, Ravenloft, phenomenal. Eberron, really cool. Uh, Curse of Strahd, also really cool. The rest of them, do not like. The, the, oh. the uh, Descent into Avernus coin does not look good. Uh, I don't even know. The, the dragon on the Dragon Heist coin and Waterdeep has a, or Ghost of Saltmarsh has like a, a squid on it. Doesn't seem to fit. I don't really like it. Uh, Wild Beyond the Witchlight might be cool, but it's so shiny, I can't tell what it what it looks like. It looks like. Um, Coins are a pretty good idea, but I still think patches are the best idea because that's the thing you can wear as a badge. I know. D&D and scouts. People can see it. Look, How I are people going to see my coins yeah. unless, I, unless well, you... I throw them out on the table no, but... in a very conspicuous way? Something like this <laughs> is like to put on a on a shelf or something or you know or for your your child to find when 
your 80 and he's like yeah like or your grandson grandpa what's this I that's when i grandpa. saved all of icewind dale <laughs> with my bare hands i was a druid who turned into a bear uh that's a that's a joke for you guys so love it. it's a cool idea some of these though aren't adventures that's what bothers me oh, so the eberron coin that's not an event like why would yeah, i what no eberron it's so there coin is. of completion for eberron rising from the last war like there is a little adventure in that, but it's a start. I would not want to give you a coin for getting through a level <laughs> two adventure. Um, and the same with Ravenloft, uh, Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. That's not necessarily an adventure, unless maybe you played through all of those different settings. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, Ghosts of Saltmarsh, Icewind Dale, kind of makes sense. Uh, they're 20 bucks, kind of, kind of spendy for a coin. But also, if you want to have that memory... Uh, it's quality. Like Beetle and Grimm's has always made really quality stuff. Yeah, they so. usually make good quality stuff. Uh, I have, always, I really want a lot of their pins. They've got like a a water deep badge and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, but boy, they're they're expensive, but they're they're really good quality. So they I keep thinking nice. I'll I'll finally see them at like a Gen Con in a booth, and then I'll be like, okay, here's two hundred dollars. I'll take all of them. <laughs> so, um, but it's it's kind of a cool idea. Do you? I, I like the idea of having that physical, you know, that's why I was thinking about patches or enamel pins or something like that, where you can be like, I finished this. I kind of like that you get like a memento. Um, yeah. Yeah. Everyone's like $20 for a coin. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And it might be big. I'm not really sure how big it is. You can look at the website, but yeah. Yeah. I think they've got, it's a good idea. They marketed to a group that's probably a affluent, wealthy type group that would want some of these, um, and will probably display them on shelves and things where they display their other two hundred dollar full size, you know, bust of you know minks and you know whatever you know all their other cool, super expensive stuff that they have. I still like the badge, like some you know a two dollar, three dollar badge, and the reason I like it is it's also a conversation starter or or a way for two random people to make a connection as they pass by each other. And I, I think that's the best possible use of that idea. This one's okay, but I, I wish it would have went... I, I still think the badge idea is the yeah. best, just for... No, it happens in real life more than you'd think. Like, I see yeah. people wearing critical role shirts, and I'm like... Yeah. And you do that sure. nod, like, Mighty Nine, and they're mm-hmm. like, mm. And then you walk away, and you're like, yeah, that guy's cool. So, yeah, and if if you were, like, I don't know. But a lot of people don't wear patches anymore. So, for me, it's, yeah. like, really a convention thing. But I, I still like that idea. But, boy, people, companies do not want to do uh, patches as print-on-demand. Uh, okay. And they yeah. can't, right. I guess. It really yeah. is kind of impossible to do print-on-demand. They can with shirts really easy, but they can't do that. So, mm-hmm. uh, the problem is, is I've tried to do kick this off the ground a lot of times. But they want me to invest, like three thousand dollars to get all of these different patches and i'm like so we got to go at it a different way then jordan this is what we have to do we have to buy the equipment that can build the badges for us that is also expensive but yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's a full-time job to to be like making patches some people do it though making merchandise go to gen con and sell out and have a good time um if I go to Gen Con, I'm going to make some some enamel pins or something, and I'll I'll go. give them away or sell them for like a yeah, pilgrimage nickel or something. patches and pilgrimage pins and yeah. things like that. That was a 
that was a truly traditional thing that they would do. Even in the 14th century, they would get a pin of a pilgrimage they might have made to go somewhere. And I just think that's super cool. Um, so I think we should definitely do it. I think it's such a good idea. I had a, it was such a weird, it's the same thing, but I had a ball cap that had a patch on it that was Half-Life. And all it was was the the H of Half-Life in, in its certain font that only somebody who plays and loves Half-Life would even recognize. And yet every time I left the house with that hat on, there would be somebody somewhere that would give me the nod and be like, hey, Half-Life, good yeah. game. And we'd just keep, you know, be like, yep, good game, keep right on. It would always generate a conversation if you wanted it to. So something like this, having the, the picture of the Tomb of Annihilation on there or a, or a cool art rendering of a Dragonlance cover or, you know, just any of those really iconic Dungeon Master's Guides, Monster Manual covers, any of those, but made into a patch. Just the person, you know, people would just be like, oh, yeah, I, I did descend into Avernus. How'd you make it out? You know, <laughs> and that's just a cool yeah. thing. So. Yeah. Um, I like it. I also like it. Uh, Beetle and Grimms, they're always doing cool stuff. Oh, I, one thing before we move on from Beetle and Grimms. Yeah. People are talking that it is quite expensive. Um, I think so, too. $20 for a coin is expensive. If you buy five, you get a slight discount. I'm not I'm not pitching this. Think of it I'm as sorry. a display piece. Well, more no, no, no. Than Let me finish. <laughs> so a, a, a lot of times you're like $400 to buy Curse of Strahd. Like, hey, Zeus Christo, no. But if you factor in everybody at the table and you say, hey, guys, this is going to cost us $550. Everybody chips in to do it. Then at the end of that campaign, everybody gets their coin. It's part of the reward of being together. So it, it really is that, like, you found your group of, of players. Like, you guys will always game probably until you're, like, mm -hmm. super old. And so this like is me. a very – it's not a scary investment because you know you're going to finish the game. You know you're going to play it all the way through. And then when you factor in the weeks of play, all of mm -hmm. a sudden it's like, oh, I'm I'm literally paying, like – two dollars a night for this kind of a thing so yeah i don't know um so i think it, that's kind of the thing is like if i'm gonna finish this i might as well bundle it into the completion so uh but yeah me me being like i'm a dm i'm gonna buy five coins for all of my players who finish descent into avernus like no i'm not i'm not spending 120 dollars on or 100 dollars <laughs> on coins for you so uh paizo news What's happening yes. in the world? Of Although Paizo? I did hear, I think I heard one other one. I feel like I heard that um, Critical Role is doing another um, adventure with the late night show Colbert again. I think I heard. Oh yeah, Red do Nose adventure. Red Nose oh, yeah. uh, thing. So he's he's going to run another game for Stephen Colbert, um, and that is benefiting uh, the Red Nose Society from the critical role charity i forget the name of their charity exactly but they they're they created a charity and mm -hmm. they're going to be donating money from that charity to red nose society so yeah. very cool so i saw that uh, as i was looking through some of the other notes but just so that we know we have a few fans out there that like to hear a little bit of news from some of the other games that are out there so uh, coming in April, so we're here at the end of March, you would have gotten most of your releases, which would have been Adventures if you were a Pathfinder 2 fan. What you're looking forward to is the late April releases. Book of the Dead is still coming. It looks like a fantastic book. Everything I've seen on it, artwork-wise, what it's about, it looks like a really good book. And there's a Cobalt Guide to World Building 2 
that I saw a bunch of people on Twitter that were creators for that, a bunch of names you would know who have contributed to that. Shauna Germain was one of them who is part of Monty Cook and does a lot of the great Monty Cook uh, contributions, created her own worlds for Monty Cook, a cipher system. I know she was one of the uh, authors of parts of Cobalt Guide to World Building 2. Um, and these are always really good books about world building and stuff. So I always thought uh, we like to you know get those kinds of books to help us with ideas on building our own campaign worlds. So mm-hmm. those are the two things to keep it. They're late April, so look for those in the in the third and fourth week of April, I believe, is when those start to drop and release. Well, cool. Very cool. And I'm still playing a lot of... Um, I'm playing the character generator portion of uh, Wrath of the Righteous, <laughs> Pathfinder Wrath of the Righteous, because I still love generating pathfinder characters it's so crazy <laughs> that cool. is your paizo news for this week do we have any osr you should be doing like osr news or goodman game news because you know you buy oh so much well yeah stuff. i could do goodman games news <laughs> uh they are currently finishing up a bunch of kickstarters they had a lot of kickstarters back and forth um so a lot of that is just waiting for those books to get done. But they did say they're going to do a second printing of Empire of the East, which Ooh. is their uh, worst book for Dungeon Crawl Classics. So I thought it was interesting <laughs> they're doing a second printing. There's people um, who want more, huh? Because I, I didn't like it. Uh, and I felt that it was very under um, underutilized, I guess. I was kind of like, well, this is a really cool idea, but they didn't flesh it out. Uh, it also wasn't fleshed out because they didn't hit a lot of their kick, their Kickstarter goals back oh, okay. when they did it. But they said that this time around, they're going to actually add stuff in, which now that I wasn't going to talk about this, but it kind of brings up a cool idea or an interesting idea is what if I bought, you know, a, I don't know, like what if I bought the player's handbook and then all of a sudden they're like, hey, we're re-releasing the player's handbook, but with uh the revised ranger or we're putting the artificer in and you're like but mine doesn't have the artificer are do i have to rebuy it and in the case of goodman games i think my pdf will be automatically updated with the new content but it is kind of interesting like this idea of like they're like well we're gonna do a reprint but we're actually gonna add new pages and it's over like like 10 or 10 pages 10 new pages of content for empire of the east i don't know but I also wonder if they had most of that done, didn't hit their Kickstarter, <laughs> and so now they're just like, well, we'll just throw it in as an incentive. This book didn't sell well, so I don't know. But Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure having or being a part of marketing meetings when you're in these companies where, yes, you are creating things, and yes, you're doing you know games, which you love, but there's also the aspect of you have to make money, you're a company, <laughs> you have to sell the books that you're you know, you're trying to put out there. You don't want to just be selling stuff that people don't want. So I I, I wonder if that's interesting. Because, like, could you go back and say, hey, guys, uh, fourth edition didn't do so well. But what if we released the book, we rearranged how we worded it, and we added 20 pages to make it a little better? Would fourth edition all of a sudden be super popular? Because we fixed a few things and we, boom, now it takes off like we wanted it to take off versus mm-hmm. it didn't land when we first sent it out or something like that. Um, and... Well, really, in a way, they're kind of doing that with the the monsters of the multiverse. Yeah, they're yeah. kind of tackling this yeah. problem right now of, oh, we need to add stuff, but people have old books, and we don't want them to feel like they have to buy the new books, but we want them to buy the new books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it is interesting. 
Um, so yeah, I don't know, but, uh, gosh, I feel like, I think the old school essentials Kickstarter is done or will be done in a few days. Yeah. Um, so if you didn't get on that, that's sad because it's really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love old school essentials. Uh, yeah, that's, I I don't know. I'll, I'll think I'll find some news, OSR news in the future. I think that'd be kind of fun. So (laughs) All right. Well, that's our news for today. Well, what about Paizo? Did you talk about Paizo? Did I miss that? I did. Oh. You were listening to me. Book of the Dead, Cobalt Guide to World Building What is the Cobalt the... Guide to World Building 2? What is it? It's a collection of writers that have come together to create a campaign building oh, guide. Oh, you did book. say that. Okay. I did. Okay. Shauna Germain. I bet you were watching chat when I was there. I probably was. <laughs> <laughs> Late April. Lucian, are you playing any any games these days? Yeah, I'm I'm playing a podcast game with Jordan right now. That's <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, it's called yeah, it's Is all... Jordan Listening? It's a really interesting game. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> how do I get Jordan's attention? Um, no, we had a we had the dreaded two missed sessions in a row. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, the whole when campaign's player, gone now. So, and then we decided not to play, and then it was the DMs said hey guys can't do it now that's two in a row and then you start oh no everybody panics but uh, i'm assuming we'll be back again next week to continue our delve down to the 11th level of the dungeon of the bad mage not our character level but the level of the actual dungeons we've been down and in um so that has freed me up to play a whole bunch of computer game stuff so you know, I've, uh, again, creating interesting characters in Pathfinder, Wrath of the Righteous. I've been, was eagerly waiting and finally got it on Thursday evening, right into Friday morning. I took a half day off from work so I could play Tiny Tina's Wonderland, which has been super fun. And if you love Borderlands, you would love this, which also they have a TRPG tied to it that you could play also called Bunkers and Badasses, which I think is a great name for a tabletop role-playing game. Um, love the game so far having a lot of fun playing it I've also been playing Lost Ark an MMORPG because I gotta still do MMORPGs at this point um, so that's about it computer gaming is kind of taken over for those couple of weeks that we were gone and I'm looking forward to getting back to some Roll20 dice rolling and um, leveling my Aarakocra multi-classed fighter cleric that I've had a lot of fun with um, who's modeled after Moon Knight aesthetically and oh. in the way I play him, which is a great tie-in because we're about to get the Moon Knight. That's the end of this month, right? Streaming yeah. show next week. Yeah, March thirtieth. Oscar I Isaac on Disney Plus. Man, Oscar Isaac's so good too. Yeah. I like him. Oh. Ex Machina, fantastic there you movie. Go. There you go. It's super good. But I'm guessing Jordan said something last week when we spoke. That he was about to play, he was going to play, or he was planning to play. So something happened. That's my life. I'm always like, yeah, yeah. it's on the horizon. <laughs> um, no, I'm so I'm I'm playing games today. Uh, uh, Lex is running us through his... Um, Durf. No, his hacked version of, of 5e <laughs> that he may publish. Uh, so he's oh, doing right. a... He's doing a, um, a, a real... I don't want to give it away because I don't know how much of it but yeah, we're, don't we're, say the name yet because the name was really the name's good. really good yeah put don't it out i don't, don't want nobody to steal it don't say the name don't say the name um i'm not i'm not but uh 
we are playtesting that. Um, and I'm, I'm playing a, a roguish character and I'm having a lot of fun where I am a, uh, I'm playing a, a rogue, but he's a very, um, wait, like proper noble kind of person. And so, uh, a lot of it is just like, like, Oh, I'm not going to, you know, and I think my name is, is Preston. It's just funny. So we're having a roguish, lot of fun with that. Roguish in mechanics or roguish in character and attitude. Roguish like, in mechanics. He's a rogue. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Uh, in character, he's a noble snob. Who's like, what? And gotcha. so, uh, that's a lot of fun. <laughs> Um, I've also been playing video games. I finally beat Metroid Dread, uh, which is Ooh. a really fun game. I'm a big fan of platformers and Metroidvania games. And so when Metroid Dread came out, I was very excited. Here's how little time I have to play video games. I got Metroid for, oh, was it my birthday or Christmas? I think it was my birthday, October. Okay, October 2021. Ooh. My... My good friend Chris, my real life friend Chris, he's like, oh, I just got, uh, what is the the latest Assassin's Creed game or something? He's like, I'm going to be playing that. Uh, I texted him last night and was like, I finished Metroid Dread. I'm so excited. And I looked at it, you know, and it tells you your play time. And it said like 14 hours. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I did it. And he's like, yeah, I, I think I've got like a little bit left in Assassin's Creed. I'm at like 230 hours into that game. <laughs> and I was like, when did you get it? He's like, oh, oh, a long time ago, probably like October of 2021. And I'm like, oh man, I do not have the gaming time I used to. Uh, so that was really funny, but really, really enjoyed that. Um, but video or board games, board games, mm-hmm. RPGs, tabletop RPGs. Um, this Wednesday, I'm going to be running Invisible Sun, my very first ever Invisible oh, Sun game. Right. Um, and this is really a session zero. Uh, I've got Lex playing, LB Hack'em Up, and Indoor Adventure. That's right. And we're going to, we're going to, I have explained to them that this is like, I just kind of want to play the game to feel it out. Like I've read all the books, but I really need to like see how it operates. And so. Uh, I, I, I don't want it to sound intimidating because even Lex was just like, I don't know what's going on. And I'm like, yeah, it scares it, me. It shouldn't. I don't want it to scare people. <laughs> I want people to be excited for it. So yeah. I think the more I can be comfortable with it, then other people will be comfortable with it. So, yeah, that um, that one scares me. When I, so when I we're not it. streaming it because I don't oh, want God. it to be like, oh, we're not being entertaining. Yeah. It literally is just going to be four friends trying to figure out this game and we're going to create our characters and. Uh, I may or may not record the audio for podcasts on the Patreon, but uh, it'll be very rough cut kind of like we're just we're just playing, guys. We're just trying to figure yeah. out what's going on. But That's it's cool. going to be combination character creation. And then the first uh, the first session of Invisible Sun, you're supposed to create your house and the district you live in and you create your neighbors. It's really kind of a fun, fun uh, thing. So we're going to be doing a whole bunch of that. It'll be good. That'd be cool to talk about next week. After yeah. Insane. Yeah. We should have so a lot of interesting stuff. Um, either Very the house cool. caught fire or, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or everybody had fun. One of the two that there's no in between. So go it's ahead. funny. We have a couple minutes here. I, I did a couple of, um, I think it was a year and a half ago where I was trying to do one, one role playing game a month. And I got through like three or four of them. And they were always brand new. Nobody had played them. And I would tell the players, okay, guys, this is the one. Here's the PDF. I bought it. And, you know, we would share it. We were going to create characters, have a session zero. And then play one or two sessions just to try to get a feel for the game. 
of the four, I felt like one of them went great where everybody was into it. The rules weren't too too hard for us to figure out and we were able to create characters and we created fun characters and it was a fun world and we had a good time, a good quick adventure. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of the other ones, we struggled so much understanding the rules, we never really got into having a good session or, or really it kind of messed with trying to create cool characters because all of a sudden the rules don't quite make sense. Then you're you're struggling more with that than thinking about the cool character you're trying to make. Because yeah. now you're like, do I put this here? Do I put that there? So I hope you have the uh the first experience of that because boy sometimes if they if they don't make creating characters easy for you you can kind of lose your session all of a sudden so Uh um, i'm really super curious to hear how that you know when you're done you're like okay from just this point of view creating characters invisible sun here is my opinion yeah (laughs) here is what i think yeah that's gonna be really good next week so um and you're right. We'll we'll see, because <laughs> I know I know uh, Lex has an idea for what he wants to play. But uh, I from what I heard, LB's kind of like, well, I'll figure it out when I'm there. And I'm like, I really think you should read the book a little she bit. Reads but stuff. Uh, she's busy. Like we're all busy, yeah, you know. Yeah. And and it's a thick, well, thick in like digestibleness part, <laughs> you know. So, um, boy, I want to talk about this book since we have three minutes, but I can't yeah. remember the name of it. Oh, well, that'll be hard then. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was a, I think it's like Dungeons and Demisons or something, but it was a, it was kind of the idea of strongholds and followers, but okay. it was written for old school essentials. And uh, I was reading that and had lots of really cool ideas for NPCs and generating terrain and mm-hmm. uh, how to spend money and things like that. Um, and like, this amount of money, you could easily convert this to 5e2, but you could also just use strongholds and followers. That's fine. Um, but maybe I'll I'll do a, a jocular junction video on it or something because well, I, I, I finished reading that the other day and I was very impressed with that book. So. It's about to release too. The the I think PDF's been out, but the the actual books are about to ship. I think. Yeah, I I don't know if you read the the problem. They had a big printing error, I guess. Yeah, that's what. Um, he... And so a lot of people the. Here the and the latest email I saw for, from uh, MCDM is here are your options. We can yeah. ship you a like bad book that's got the air. Um, we can put a sticker on it that fixes the page, which he said is not uncommon. A lot of a lot of people do this to basically save the environment, you know, because it's like, well, we we printed oh, yeah, over two thousand books, yeah, I and I don't want to throw them all away so we'll just fix it with a quick sticker and it sounds bad because you're like i don't want a sticker but like apparently it's it's not a traditional like kid sticker on your shirt or something um Mm -hmm. and it does look appropriate so i i i think that's the option i'm gonna go for is i would like my copy physically with that sticker i'll be okay with it um and then the third option is to wait until a reprint but with supply chain, he's like all of these other printers to print on that scale again. Uh, it, you're waiting until like late October to get your book. Yeah, and I would so, go with the sticker. I think I'm, I'm fine with the sticker. And plus, they have to. Their team PDF. apparently will have to individually put the stickers in. <laughs> so then you know More that people. MCDM touched your book and it was yeah. Good. There you go. Have them sign stamp it of approval. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
cool. Very cool. But this was a good show. This was a good episode. Lots of lots of cool stuff. Well, uh, we finally had about. news to talk about, which was good. Yeah. Because we'd really been waiting. And I think, you know, Call of the Netherdeep is a niche book, and it's for a big community out there, but it's a critter community kind of centric book. Whereas this one, it could be anything. This is like all the D&D fans could really like this next, the announced book. So I think. Well, cool. Dungeon Masters. Yeah, I would say that. I think it's yeah. a niche in that it's Dungeon Masters only. That is but, true. I guess yeah. it's not players buying this. That's a shame. Well, you need more players stuff in there it. for then players to it. buy it. Run games yeah. for your Dungeon Master. <laughs> uh, that is our show, ladies and gentlemen. We have. We'll have stuff to talk about next week. I don't know. We always figure out what to talk about, but I never know. Uh, and I'll try to get the the video up earlier than 20 minutes before we go live. Um, oh, no. Yes, U.S. summertime. Sorry, Carl. We're just ending the show. <laughs> oh, no. Yep. Time has changed. I apologize. Uh, well, I, I have no control over the time. We live in states yeah. where it changes. There are some U.S. states that don't change. It's we true. We do not live in them. Yeah. Anyway, we'll be back next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. Take care, everybody. Thank you so much for watching.